Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. It is good to be seen by you this morning. Glad that we are together. Uh, this morning, today, is our last sermon in this series that we've been going through, What Cannot Be Quarantined. We have spent the last two months going through the book of Philippians and pulling out some things that Paul shares with his readers there, shares with us. And if we were following a logical progression through the book of Philippians, it would make sense for us to end this series at the end of the book. But I've never been accused of being logical before, so why start now? We're not going to end at the end. Instead, I want to end in the middle. Because in the middle, Paul is going to begin to talk about the end. So, it makes perfect sense that we should end in the middle, right? I am logical. Okay, so be turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And while you're getting there, I'll share with you a couple questions that I get asked fairly often as a preacher. And one of the questions that I get asked quite a bit is, how's it going to end? Not talking about like a particular book, but like how is it going to end? This life, this world, you know, when is it going to end? And what's going to happen when it does? Are we living in the last days? And what does that mean? I just had this conversation last week with someone. Now, what's going ha- to happen? What's it going to be like? When's it going to happen? And another question that I get fairly often is kind of related to that first one, is how could God ever send someone to hell? I mean, how could a good God send someone to hell? Because the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged, right? Uh, I mean, everybody knows that verse. (laughs) Even people that don't know anything about the Bible, they know that verse. Well, the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. They can quote the King James Version of that verse. You know, and in a lot of ways, judgment is a really difficult thing to talk about. Because I think think we are programmed not to want to judge people. How dare you judge me? No, he's judging me. We like to talk about God's love and, and mercy, God's grace... But not too many people want to hear about God's judgment. Um, But still, people, I think, are fascinated with with how things end. And there has been no shortage of people who have tried to suggest and convince people of when things were going to end, when the world as we know it will end. Uh, Let me share with you a couple. You might remember December 21st, 2012, not that long ago. It marked the end of the great cycle of the Mayan long count calendar. Remember that? Probably not, but it did. And a lot of people were convinced that somehow the Mayans, they knew when the world was going to end, so they just stopped their calendar there. And there was all this talk that the earth was going to be knocked off its axis and, and all these natural disasters and the world as we know it would end. And of course, we're still here. Or you might remember the name Harold Camping. He actually made quite a stir. Twelve different times Harold Camping claimed to know when the world was going to end. 
he had this really convoluted uh, mathematical equation about when the world was going to end. And every time he missed it, he just claimed that his math was off a little bit, and he'd push it forward another 18 months or so. He was 0 for 12 when he died. But it was amazing, hundreds of thousands of people followed this guy. And he, he collected a tremendous amount of money for people who were convinced that somehow giving him money was going to help them when the world came to an end. Or a guy in Taiwan who created quite a stir when he offered <clears throat> absolute proof that God was going to appear on United States television on March 25th, 1988, Channel 18. He was very specific about this. March 25th, 88, Channel 18, God himself would come on television and announce the end of the world. And I could give you just dozens of examples of people who claimed to know when Jesus was going to return, when the world was going to end. But I'll share one more because it was, I think, the most absurd that I ran across. 1806. There was a chicken in Leeds, England, who began laying eggs with the message inscribed on the egg, Jesus is coming. Thousands of people went to Leeds to see this chicken. Tens of thousands of people started to prepare for the end of time, for Jesus' return. It was later discovered the eggs were not, in fact, prophetic messages, but they were the uh, work of the owner, who took ink and wrote on the eggs and then inserted those eggs back into the hen. So the prophetic hen of Leeds was debunked. Poor chicken. But people have always been predicting the end of time. And any time I hear someone say, well, this is when the world is going to end. This is when Jesus is coming back. I pretty well know, okay, nothing weird is going to happen that day. Now, that day, nothing is going to happen because Paul wrote in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. When people ask me, when is Jesus coming back? I say with complete confidence, I don't know. (laughs) The most biblical answer that I can give. I have no idea when Jesus is coming back. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, uh, nothing in this world is certain except death and taxes. And I'm not sure I completely agree with Ben. Because there are things that are just as certain as death, and there are lots of things that are much more certain than taxes. And yeah, it's true that no one knows when Jesus' return will be, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, and I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, But there are some things that I am absolutely certain of. I don't know when uh, those things will happen, but I got a pretty good idea of some of the things that will happen, which brings us back to the middle of the book of Philippians. Let me share with you a passage that should sound familiar. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I hope that verse sounds familiar to you because we spent two weeks talking about that section of Scripture. You might remember I had some ladders up here on the stage and we talked about the fact that Jesus, being in very nature God, actually climbed down the ladder, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But I share that passage with you to give context to what Paul would write next, kind of where we're launching from this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know if you were paying attention when we were singing, but Dave picked out several songs that talked about the fact every knee would bow and every tongue would confess Jesus is Lord. And I told you, most people don't like to think about that. Most people don't like to think about the end. They don't like to think about judgment. But i got to tell you, it is staggering how much the Bible says about judgment and how much the Bible says about Jesus' return and our place in that uh, equation. So, I want to do something a little bit different this morning. My sermon's going to be a little bit different this morning because I'm going to try to do very little speaking. Instead, I want God to do a lot of talking today. I want to just share a whole bunch of scripture with you. And I want God to give commentary on what Paul writes here in, second, or in Philippians chapter 2. Now, the best commentary for scripture is, is more scripture. So I don't want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear God. And I'm going to challenge you not to check out. I'm going to, get, I'm, I'm going to bury you in Scripture today. But it is really important stuff. I mean, I'm, we're talking about eternal life and death stuff. And the Word of God is active, it is alive, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And I'm encouraging you to open your heart this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the Word of God. Um, I'm going to make just a few observations, and I'm going to, I'm going to let God uh, make commentary. No one communicates like Him. And my first observation is this. Every eye will see Jesus. Every single person who is alive, every single person who has ever been alive, will one day see Jesus. You know, the Apostle John was a pretty old man when he wrote the book of Revelation, History tells us that John was the last of the apostles to die. Might be because he was, again, historically the youngest of the apostles. Maybe it's because, again, historically he did not uh, meet a violent death. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And there he wrote the book of Revelation, uh, a revelation from God. And he would begin that prophetic message by saying this. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. John tells us every eye will see Jesus. And don't think, well, how is that possible? How is it possible that we'll see Jesus and people on the other side of the earth will see Jesus? You know, come on. 
As human beings, we have ways to make people see everything at the same time, right? You don't think God could pull that off? Every eye will see Jesus. Point being, no one's going to be able to hide from Jesus. A lot of people are going to want to. Some people will try to. No one will hide from Jesus. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer, of course, is nowhere. You can't hide from God. If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. It is impossible for us to hide from God. It's impossible for us to get away from God. Jesus says there will come a day when people will actually try to hide from God. Luke chapter 23. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. There will come a time when people are going to try to hide. But every eye will see Jesus. John would write in Revelation 6. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave and every free man hid in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? On that day, there will be no place to hide. Every eye will see Jesus. Second observation. Every person will stand before the Lord in judgment. Every single person who has ever lived will one day stand before the Lord in judgment. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. That verse sounds a little bit like Philippians 2, doesn't it? Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess. Someday we're all going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to give an account to God. Peter told the household of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, he commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he, talking about Jesus, he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Paul said the same thing when he wrote a letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. In the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. One day we are going to stand before the Lord. He's going to judge the living and the dead. The first time Jesus came, He came in compassion. and He, he came with grace and, and truth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The next time He comes, He's going to come in judgment. No one is immune. Uh, the second half of Romans 3, verse 19, the whole world held accountable to God. Peter, Paul, both talk about the fact that the living and the dead will stand before God. No one is going to escape judgment. No one is going to be able to defer their, their court date. We're not going to be able to bribe the judge. No one will be able to have someone stand in their place. We're all going to stand before God in judgment. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 12, 
But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. Wow. Men will have to give an account on the day of judgment. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I'm going to have to give an account of how I lived this life. In fact, Matthew tells us, Jesus, every careless word. How many careless words have you spoken lately? You know, all those words that you got, ooh, could I take that back? I'm going to stand and give an account for those careless words. Not only those careless words, but even those things that I think are pretty well hidden. Even all those things that I think, well, no one really knows that but me. Romans 2, the day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. This is my message. All those things that I've worked so hard to hide from everybody else, I'm going to have to give an account for those things. And I think Jesus is pointing to the final judgment when he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 2, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 4, he knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from Him to whom we must explain all that we have done. Nothing can be hidden from Him to whom we must explain all we have done. Are you beginning to get a sense that we're talking about some pretty important things? The sense that everyone, everywhere will one day stand before God? Observation number four. Every mouth will be silenced before the Lord. Every mouth will be silenced before the Lord. I referenced half of this verse just a minute ago. Let me give you the whole verse, Romans 3.19. Now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. You remember when Jesus stood before his accusers, he was silent. He didn't speak. Mark 14 tells us he remained silent and gave no answer. But the silence Jesus was very different than the silence that we'll have on that day. Jesus stood in, in uh, judgment, and he was silent because he knew those who were presuming to judge him, they had no authority over him. He was there by choice, not by force. Jesus says in John chapter 10, the reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus was there at his own accord. He didn't have to answer to those people who were trying to judge him. But when we stand before the Lord in judgment, we're going to be silent. And this can be because because, um, we won't have any defense. We won't have any excuse to make. We won't have any way to rationalize, to minimize to justify the things that we've done. 
We might try to make a defense, but there's absolutely nothing we can say that's going to hold weight. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I'll go back to Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. We're going to stand before the Lord in judgment. And I think when that happens, we're going to understand what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. Might be the only verse in Habakkuk that people are familiar with. And all my life, I've heard that verse used in the context of uh, a reverent, holy worship experience. But that's not what the prophet's talking about. Read the chapter, read the book. He's talking about final judgment. We're going to stay silent. Either in submissive, patient faith or in speechless terror. We'll stand before the judge in silence. Which brings us back to Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow before the Lord. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. You know how hard it is to get people to agree on anything today? It's about impossible, right? But the Holy Spirit tells us on that day we'll all be in agreement. Jesus is Lord. And everyone who's ever lived will bow before Him. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That statement, uh, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, it actually occurs three times in Scripture. Here in Philippians chapter 2, we've looked at Romans 14. I'll share it again. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. In Romans and in Philippians, Paul writes those same words, basically. But the origin of that prophetic message actually comes from Isaiah 45, where God himself says, I've sworn by my own name, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to my name. Three different times we are told in Scripture, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Do you think the Holy Spirit wanted us to understand that truth and that reality? Amen. Everyone who's ever lived will one day bow and acknowledge Jesus as King and Lord. And all of that sounds kind of terrifying, doesn't it? <laughs> it does to me. Oh, I'll just be honest with you. It sounds a little bit terrifying to me. Hundred years ago or so, Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, had a very famous sermon that he preached hundreds of times, probably his most famous sermon. It was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he 
preached it over and over again. And by all accounts, he was a tremendous uh, communicator. And we're told that when he preached that sermon, sinners in the hands of an angry God, people would actually faint. The people in the crowd, they, they would wail. They would cry. They would just be overcome with, with this fear. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Look what the Hebrew writer says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received full knowledge of the truth, there's no other sacrifice that will cover these sins. There will be nothing to look forward to but the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume His enemies. <laughs> Those are pretty harsh words too. And that doesn't come from a famous preacher. That comes from the Holy Spirit. The terrible expectation of God's judgment for those who continue sinning after knowing the truth. Just a few verses later, the same writer says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And right now, you are probably thinking, I thought we were talking about joy this series. I mean, what about that sermon last week about rejoicing and all that? Let's go back to that. I want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about judgment and sin and wrath and hell. I don't like that. Let's talk about joy. And that's why I'm sharing so much scripture with you today. You can argue with me. Pretty hard to argue with the Word of God. One day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of what we've done in this life. Every knee will bow before Him. And every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. It's going to either be this life, it's definitely going to be in the next life. And that's frightening. That's sobering. But, there is some good news. As Christians, we're going to stand before the Lord, but we're not going to stand alone. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I'm telling you this so that you'll stay away from sin. But if you sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. You might have a translation that says you have an advocate before the Father. A lawyer, someone who stands, someone who speaks for us. His name is Jesus Christ. The one who is all that is good and who pleases God completely. He is the one who took God's wrath against our sins upon himself and brought us into fellowship with God. And he is the forgiveness of our sins, not only ours, but all the world's. If you're old enough, you might remember an old song, Ray Bolt sang it. And uh, it was probably 30 years ago, I don't know, maybe longer. But he, in his song, depicted a scene at judgment. And he walks into a room and he is standing before his accuser. And in the corner of the room are the giant scales of justice. And on one side of the scale is everything he had done wrong. 
all of his sin, all of his failures, all of his uh, shortcomings, just, just all the mess that he'd made of his life. And there's really nothing good on the other side of the scale. I mean, it was just pegged to one side. And he stands before his accuser. And he looks at the impossibility of those scales ever weighing in his favor. And he's asked by his accuser, how do you plead? And he realizes that he has no hope, that he has no answer. He's asked, how do you plead? And he turns to his accuser and he says, I plead the blood of Christ. One drop of blood fell to the scales. It covered my transgressions and all the times I failed. The enemy was mighty. He came in like a flood. He was defeated with one drop of blood. Peter writes in 1 Peter, God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it is a wonderful thing to run into the arms of a loving Savior. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every person who's ever lived, that's me, that's you. We're going to stand in judgment. We're going to confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus says, you do that now in this life, and you won't fear the next life. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus, or Peter is talking along with the other apostles to a group of people, a pretty large group of people, and he's talking about the consequences of their sins. He's talking about the seriousness of recognizing Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God and as the Lord of their lives. And he was talking to a whole lot of people who had never done that, whose knee had never bowed, whose tongue had never confessed. But the words that Peter and the others were speaking, it was convicting to this crowd. And we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? We've never confessed Jesus as Lord. We've never bowed our knee to Jesus. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Amen. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is retelling his conversion story. He talks about uh, what went on uh, when he realized that he had never bowed, that he had never confessed, he'd never recognized Jesus as Lord. And Paul is asked this question, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. One day, God has promised we're going to stand before Him in judgment. We can stand, as Hebrews 10 says, as an enemy of God 
or we can stand before him as a child of God. The choice is ours. And I'll tell you this, if your knee has never bowed, if your tongue has never confessed, I'll ask you the same question that that Paul was asked. Why are you waiting? Rise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. I'm a child of God. I'm a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And there's a lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things about the end, which is really the beginning, that I don't know. But here's what I'm 100% certain of. I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'm going to give an account. And I'm going to be guilty unless Jesus is standing with me. Unless Jesus is my Lord. Every knee will bow before Him. Every tongue will confess. And again, I don't know exactly how that all will play out. I do know God's going to keep His promise. And as uncertain, as unknown, as disconcerting as that end might be, I will agree with the very last thing that John writes in the very last book of the Bible. The last words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. John knew everything that I've told you. He knew Jesus. He, he knew the price that Jesus paid. So much better, he realized it so much better than we do. He knew the consequences of sin. And he finished his revelation by saying, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's not a fearful response, is it? That's not someone who is cowering in terror. That's someone who is convinced, Jesus is my Lord. I've confessed Him. I will kneel. There is a judgment coming. I'm going to stand someday before the Lord. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. What a day that will be. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot of things in this world that that we're unsure of. And there are a lot of things that we wonder about and things that we doubt. But as Christians, we don't doubt your word. And we don't question your promises. Thank you for letting us know with absolute uncertainty that this life is not all that there is. But just a preparation for the next life. Thank you for Jesus. Though we have not seen him, we love him. And even though we don't see Him now, we believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Father, we look forward to the time when we can run into the arms of a loving Savior. So, come Lord Jesus. It's in His name that I pray. Amen. Listen, if you're joining us online, thanks for staying with us. Maybe something's been said. Maybe God's uh, uh, convicted you in a way that you'd like someone to be praying with you or for you. You'd like some questions to be answered. There is a link from our website that you can go to, and we will pray with you. We'll pray for you. We'll get in touch with you. Uh, We'll try to share uh, the good news of Jesus any way that we can. For those of us in the auditorium, Maybe you'd like to speak with uh, one of our shepherds here.
uh, at the end of our service this morning, uh, there'll be some directions on how you can sit down and, and, and share uh, some thoughts that you must, some concerns you might have with, with one of our shepherds. And right now, Dave's going to come and, and get us ready to share in the Lord's Supper. <laughs>